Hey, welcome to Victory at Home. We are so privileged to be with you today. Again, whether we are in your living room or on your mobile device, so glad that you joined us for Supreme Part Three. We are currently in a series where we have been talking about wisdom, and then every day during the week, we've been looking at a different proverb through just a little short video devotional. And it's just the idea that you and I need divine wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 4, verse 7 says that wisdom is supreme. Now, that word supreme means superior. So, above all things, the highest, the most superior thing is godly wisdom. And and so, you and I need that wisdom. Now, when King Solomon sat down and began to pin together this wisdom literature that we read in Proverbs, one of the things he said was this, that this wisdom is going to help you against folly. Now, here's the deal. You and I don't really use the word folly often today in our language, but if we were to look up the word, the word folly means losing senses. Okay, so when I, when I read that, when I read through and saw the definition and, and read losing senses, for some reason, the first thing that popped to my mind was the idea of becoming numb. Have you ever had a situation where one of your arms or your legs fell asleep? right? You know what I'm talking about, where it kind of starts off numb and then it moves into the pins and needles stage. And it's just a crazy experience. You either sit down for a long time or or you lay on your arm and then you get up and guess what? That arm or that leg has gone numb. Now, here's what I think King Solomon is saying as he begins to pin some of these words in Proverbs. He's saying that this wisdom of God, this divine wisdom is actually there to help us so that you and I don't become spiritually numb. So so I want to talk to you this morning just for a moment about what to do when we are in the danger of, or maybe we're already there and we're experiencing a spiritual numbness. What do we do about it, right? So I'm going to first give you the title of the message today, and then we're going to go a little bit further. So get ready, get your iPhones out, get ready to type under the comment, in the comments there, the title of today's message. You ready? Type this down, the grace to get up, the grace to get up. You know, the other day I was working at the kitchen table and I had been there for a really long time. I was working on my laptop. I was sitting there and we got some of those wooden chairs. And I honestly, I didn't even realize it, but one of my legs had fallen asleep. And so it came time for me to get up and go do something else. And as I got up, I started to feel that numbness. And and then, you know, here came the pins and the needles. And so I I did what most people do. I kind of started like dragging my leg because I didn't want to put any pressure on it. So so I got this kind of like old electric slide move going. right where I'm just kind of dragging my right leg and it just so happened about that time Darla walks into the room and she's like what are you doing and I just panicked I didn't know what else to say and I just looked at her and said help I'm numb right like I I didn't I didn't know what else to say and so I just want to challenge you real quick is I want you to yell at the person that's closest to you right grab them look them in the eyes and say help I'm numb help I'm numb What, what, what happens if we become spiritually Numb. Obviously, we know what to do if we experience a physical numbness, but what do we do when we experience a spiritual numbness? And I think it's interesting because in a season like this where everything is kind of up in the air and our normal patterns and our normal consistencies and the way that we experience church and corporate worship and the Word of God and just the schedule being off altogether, there's a temptation and a danger of you and I falling into a spiritual numbness. 
I think King Solomon talks about it in Proverbs. So here we go. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 12 and through 15 say this. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, and who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in all of their ways. You know, when I first read those verses, I can't help but think, who would voluntarily walk into dark paths? Who, who would actually delight in doing wrong? And I think the truth is that if me and you were honest with each other, we don't necessarily find the joy in doing wrong, right? Think about what Paul said in Romans 7. He said, I find myself doing what I don't want to do and not doing what I want to do. So I don't think it's so much that we can't wait to experience wrongdoings or we desire to walk in crooked and dark paths. I think we just find ourselves making decisions. Those decisions lead to certain results. And before we know it, we're in this spiritual numbness where we feel like we can't get out of it. And I kind of think this is what King Solomon is talking about. There's actually a rare condition out there that certain people have where you can't feel pain, right? So, so this individual that might have this condition could walk up and, and put their hand on a stove. And, and even though their flesh would burn, they, they wouldn't actually feel the pain. And when I first figured that out, first read about that, I thought that was really interesting because I think at first we want to say, man, that's like a superpower, right? That they could be able to be injured and not feel it. But I think if we're honest with the concept for just a moment, there is a purpose for pain. You know, it's pain that tells us when we're pushing too far. It's pain that tells us that we're going down a wrong path. There's a, there's a, it's pain that lets us know we're doing something wrong and that we need to stop and retreat. I remember I was about six years old and I would always watch my mom iron clothes. And I always, you know, you see the iron, it looks cool. Um, there's steam coming out of it. And I just wanted to know what it was. And so one time when she wasn't paying attention, I ran up and I touched it and obviously it burned me and I never touched the iron again. Matter of fact, now when I iron clothes, I'm real timid when my kids get around the iron because it was the pain that taught me the lesson. And that's why pain has a purpose, because it's pain that lets us know. It's the sensor that tells us, hey, you shouldn't be here. You've gone too far. You're, you're, you're walking down a dark and crooked path. You're experiencing wrongdoing. And the result of that is pain. And what King Solomon is saying is that wisdom is the same kind of sensor that pain is. Wisdom lets us know when we're doing something we shouldn't be doing. It's actually wisdom mixed with the Holy Spirit that becomes the very sensor we need to let us know that we're going down paths we shouldn't be going down. We're, we're making decisions we shouldn't be doing. We're reacting ways we shouldn't be reacting. We're saying things we shouldn't be saying. It is wisdom and the Holy Spirit that becomes that sensor to let us know. And when we don't have that sensor, watch this, we will keep running back to the very things that are killing us to begin with. In Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 through 23, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk through a couple. I'm not going to go all the way through the verses, but I want to start at 6 and we're going to end at 23. So here we go. Starting at verse 6, it says, At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple, I noticed among the the young men, watch this, a youth who had no sense. So now we're talking about a young man who, who has lost 
sense. He's, he's numb, right? I saw a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner. Her would be the folly, would be sin, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight. And as the day was fading and as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. With persuasive words, she led him astray. Watch this. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he followed her. Watch this. Like an ox going to the slaughter. He followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So King Solomon says, you got this guy and he's numb. He's lost all sense and he's being tempted. He's being persuaded by folly, by sin, by going in the wrong direction. And now he's being referred to as an ox that's being led to the slaughter. In other words, when you and I become numb, we will find ourselves running back to the very things that are killing us. The same relationship that's killing us, we keep running back to it. The same attitude that's killing us, we keep running back to it. The same mindset, the same perspective, the the same issues, the same addictions, the same social media, the same thing that is killing us, we continue to run back to. So here's my first question for you. What do you keep running back to? Proverbs chapter 7, verse 23, if you caught it right there at the end, said, little did he know it was costing him his life. So there are things that you and I keep running back to that ultimately we know are bad for us, but there's something going on in us spiritually. Again, we are numb and we keep going back to these same things and little do we know they are killing us. So so let's just take this guy and let's break down the concept of, of numb more in like an acronym and let's walk through it. First, when, when we are numb, it starts off with a notion right? starts off with an idea or a choice that we make. And we make that choice. Again, it's a wrong choice. It's a wrong decision. It's a wrong idea, but we make it. And then after we experience that, we walk away unsatisfied. So we go from the notion to now being unsatisfied. And so we continue the same bad choices, right? We keep running back the same pattern as we've talked about before, and we continue to be unsatisfied. And so we continue with that system, with that pattern. And now, instead, now that those decisions have become methodical. So it's what started as a notion led us to being unsatisfied. Now our, our pattern is methodical, and then that ends with us being in bondage. And we wonder, why do we keep doing these things? Again, we talked about Paul in Romans 7, where he says, I don't do what I want to do, and I do do what I don't want to do. Why? Because I made a choice, and that choice left me unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and so I kept making bad choices. Now it's methodical, and now I'm in bondage. I'm numb. And King Solomon says, when we are numb, when we've lost all of our senses, we will continue to run back to the very things that are killing us. Our friends can tell us, our pastor can tell us, our parents can tell us, our kids can tell us, but we continue to run back to the very thing that is hurting us like an ox being led to the slaughter. You know, when I think about the idea of being spiritually numb, there's there's another person that comes to my mind. 
There's actually a story about a woman in the book of John chapter 4, a woman who is going to a well to be able to get some water, and while she's there, she runs into Jesus. And Jesus begins to create this conversation with her, and, and through the conversation, uh, Jesus says to her, well, hey, why don't you go get your husband? To which she replies, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says back to her, you're right, you've actually had five husbands, and you're actually currently in a relationship with another man. And, and as soon as that information is given, what you see is you see a woman experiencing the same spiritual numbness that the young man in Proverbs was feeling. That at some point in her life, she, she had this notion, she had this moment to make a choice, she had an idea. And so she made that choice, she made that decision, and she thought she was going to find fulfillment, but what she was was unsatisfied. And so she continued to make a similar decision. She went from husband number one to husband number two, and she found herself unsatisfied again. And before you know it, it becomes methodical. And she goes from husband number two to husband number three, now to husband number four, now to husband number five. And now she has a relationship as well. And what she is is she's in bondage. And so whether you're looking at her story or whether you're looking at the young man in Proverbs who's being led like an ox to the slaughter, what you see is somebody literally in bondage as a result of spiritual numbness. And I don't know about you, but at that moment, I could immediately relate to them. I mean, I have had so many moments in my life where I have found myself in a situation where I was just numb, where I was making decisions that I knew were wrong, but I couldn't stop. Moments where stuff, I had just developed a pattern and it was just methodical and now I found myself in bondage and as much as I wanted to stop, I couldn't stop. And so when I read about this woman in John 4 and when I read about the wisdom that King Solomon is talking about in Proverbs 7, the, the question that I arrive at is how do I awaken from this numbness? How do I get out? How do I get up? What's the answer? And so I immediately go to Proverbs and say, okay, well, if King Solomon is talking about wisdom allowing me to, to be awakened from this folly, awakened from this spiritual numbness, what does King Solomon say? So first we'll look at that in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 2 says this, does not wisdom call out? So does the divine wisdom of God not calling out to you, right? Jesus shows up at the well with this woman and he starts the conversation with her. It's wisdom. It's divine wisdom of God calling out, saying, hey, guess what? You don't have to stay there. You can, you can get out. You can wake up. You can be set free. So wisdom starts by calling out. It says, does not understanding raise her voice? Does it not get louder? Does it not continue to get louder so that you will hear it even while you're in this numbness? And watch this. At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, here's my point. She takes her stand. So King Solomon says that wisdom stands up. Now let's go back to a second to the idea if you've ever had uh, you know, a leg fall asleep or, or an arm fall asleep, then you know that the only real way to, to wake that leg up is to stand up. Stand up, shake the arm, do whatever you have to do to wake it up. So here's what King Solomon is saying, is that if you and I want to come out of this spiritual numbness, we have to wake up. And that sounds great. But let's be honest, it, it sounds easier than it actually is. So I went back into the scriptures and I said, okay, now with John chapter 4, God continued to show me that when we find ourselves in a season of numbness, how do we wake up? What is the process? 
And the more I read John chapter four, I saw two things. So here's the two things I want to show you. Two things that, how, how do I wake up from the, this numbness? How do I overcome this? I think you see Jesus do two things. And so I want to explain them both separately in a little bit more in depth. The first thing that you see God do for this woman at the well is that by, by using Jesus in a relationship with her, God gives her a greater source. All right, so let's look at it. John chapter 4, verses 13 through 14 says this, that Jesus answered to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. So, so not only is he talking about the actual water of the well that they're sitting on, but he's also being very spiritual and very prophetic in, in her life saying, hey, if you continue with this methodical pattern, if you continue with this system that you're in, then you will continue to be unsatisfied. In other words, you will stay in this bondage and you will remain numb. Anybody who drinks from this will be thirsty again. He says, but whoever drinks the water I give them, right, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become, will, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the first thing is this, pay attention. Jesus is saying, in order for you to be awakened from this spiritual numbness, you have to have a greater source of fulfillment that you are pursuing than what you are currently pursuing, right? There, there has to be something greater. God, God gave us Jesus in the idea that this is a greater thing for you and I to pursue. You're looking for something to bring fulfillment to your life, and in order for us to wake out of the, wake up out of this numbness, we have to have something that's greater than what we are currently pursuing for fulfillment. That's the first thing God does, is, is He gives her the idea of a relationship with Him through Jesus, that she would never thirst again. And I think for you and I, when we find ourselves in seasons where we just feel numb, one of the first steps of us being able to be awakened from that is to be able to see God as a greater source of fulfillment than what we are currently pursuing. And when we do that, like, again, this woman has been in multiple relationships and Jesus is saying, I understand that what you're trying to find is fulfillment. And Jesus says, I am that I think the first step for us to have this moment where we become awakened is to realize that God is better and greater and bigger and more fulfilling than anything else we could possibly pursue. That He is the greater source of fulfillment. And when we understand that, that is helpful in our opportunity to be awakened when we feel numb and when we find ourselves caught in a methodical concept or in a pattern and we feel like we're in bondage. If we want to be awakened from it, it's realizing that God is a greater source of fulfillment than what it is that you and I are pursuing. Now, here's the deal. You, you might agree with me or you might not, but in my seasons where I felt numb, I understood that God was a greater source of fulfillment than what I was pursuing. I think a lot of times we understand that. I think, I think we believe it. And so I think, honestly, it's the second thing that God gave her that really allowed her to be awakened in a moment where she had started to feel numb. So, so the first thing he gives her is the idea that God is the greater source of fulfillment. 
And that's important and that's powerful and that's great. But it was the moment that God gave her the grace to get up that I think really brought an awakening. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that. That when it came time for her to be able to be awakened from this spiritual numbness, from this season where she's numb, the, the, the thing that God gave her through Jesus was the grace to get up. Now, now, now let, me, let me explain it to you. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you saw in John 4 where we begin to read, it says that this woman shows up to the well at noon. Now, now that's really important because nobody would come to the well at that time of day. If you notice, Jesus is having this conversation with her and it's just them. Because at noon, it's the hottest part of the day. The water's beginning to, to get hot. Obviously, the process of getting the water out of the well, you're, you would just sweat. It would be terrible. So what people normally do is they would come in the morning or the evening to get water. But because that's when people normally go and do it, that's when the crowd is there. So everybody that lives in the town with her is at the well in the morning or in the evening. So, so it's very um, specific and, 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 and it's very intentional for her to show up at the well at noon. And Jesus knows this, which is why Jesus had to go to this well at this time. Because what's happening is this woman realizes that her decisions are bad. She realizes that she's found herself in this methodical process that is leading to, to a, a, a lack of satisfaction. And now she's in bondage. And watch this. Even if she wanted to get up, the people in her town wouldn't let her. Even if she wanted to get up, they would not allow her to reset her reputation. So instead of her going in the morning where she has to be reminded of the bad decisions that she's made, Instead of going in the evening where she has to be reminded of her reputation and her past and has to be able to deal with all of that guilt. And no matter how much victory she's begin to have, she has to go back in reverse. Instead of having that experience, she goes at noon by herself and Jesus shows up. And it's through Jesus that God gives her the grace to get up. It's the grace moment for her to be able to reset to be able to restart. Listen, I want to talk to somebody for a moment. You, you've been in this cycle. You're, you're, you're in a moment where you're spiritually numb. And you do not doubt that God is a greater source of fulfillment than what you are currently trying to find fulfillment in. That's not your problem. That's not why you can't wake up, get up, or get out. The problem is, you don't believe that there's grace for you to be able to get up. You don't believe that you're able to hit the reset button. And watch this. Not only do you feel like people aren't giving you the grace to get up, you won't give yourself the grace to get up. And it's really hard for us to show other people grace when we're not willing to give ourselves grace. And so Jesus makes it his point to be able to sit down at that time and say to her, Where's your husband? Jesus doesn't ask that because he can't wait to pin on her all of her mistakes and, and past issues. Jesus asked her that because she wants, he wants her to be able to reveal the very problem that she's facing, the decisions that she's made that's created this feeling of spiritual numbness. He wants her to admit it so that then he can release her of it. He wants to be able to give her that grace to get up. 
He wants to be able to give her the opportunity to reset her reputation. Uh, when, I, when I continue to read through the book of Proverbs and the idea of wisdom and the idea of me and you not, not being the young man who's following the ox to the slaughter, I don't think we find ourselves going down crooked paths and, and delighting in wrongdoing because we honestly think it's going to end in a good result. And I honestly don't think we do it because we believe it's going to be greater than an experience in a relationship with God. I think we do it because we've created this prison, because we've made mistakes, and there's something in us that believes that God can't quite get over those mistakes. And then it doesn't help that we're surrounded with people who won't give us the grace to get up. And I think it's important for us to see that the reason why she was able to leave the bucket at the well, because that's what scripture says, that she leaves the bucket at the well. So again, this is, this is guy number six bucket, right? She's going to get him water. This, this is a representation of that methodical process, that pattern, that bondage. The bucket is the representation of the bad mistakes. The bucket is the representation of the spiritual numbness. The bucket is the reputation of, I'm going to continue to try this without God and continue to be unsatisfied. And the only reason she's able to get up and leave the bucket is because in the interaction with Jesus, she truly felt like she was able to start over. She truly felt like she was being given grace to get up. You need to hear me. I don't care where you're watching this at, whether it's on your phone or on the TV in your living room, whether you're in the car, whether you're listening to a podcast while you're at work, listen to me. In this season, we have to be able to understand that one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us is the grace to be able to say, I made a mistake. The grace to be able to say, I made a bad choice. The grace to be able to say, I made two bad choices, three bad choices. She was on bad choice number six. But can I tell you what was so prophetic and so strategic about what Jesus did? is she was on man number six. And the reason why Jesus showed up at that point is because that made Jesus man number seven. And six is the number for man and seven is the number for completion and the spirit of God and the presence of God. And so what Jesus is saying was this, if you will, have, if you will accept the grace to start over, if you will accept the grace and the opportunity to say, I made a mistake and just admit it and be willing to get up and move on, Jesus Christ is ready to do it with you. And I don't know about you, but I just needed that freedom for a moment. I just needed that freedom to be able to say that because of God, I've got the grace to get up. And you need to hear that. That whatever, whatever it is that's keeping you in this season and in this cycle that keeps you in bondage, it's already been forgiven. And it's already been nailed on the cross. And all you have to do is actually receive his grace and be willing to get up. I'll give you one more little thing before, before we go. The Bible says that then she gets up and she goes and tells all of the men about Jesus. Now, now watch how powerful this is. That Jesus takes the influence of her past. How do you think she knew all the men? How, how do you think she had influence with the men? Relationship with the men? That would have been included in her past mistakes. But Jesus says, not only am I giving you the grace to get up, 
but I'm going to give you the ability to turn your past into something that will bring people into the kingdom of God. So it's not just the grace for you to get up. It's not just the opportunity for you to say, I made a mistake, I want to start over. But it's the opportunity for God to take what you thought was a waste and use it as a testimony. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. That as King Solomon begins to write, that this is the wisdom that we use against folly. That it's the wisdom of God that stops us from being like an ox headed to the slaughter. And that wisdom is the wisdom of understanding that when Christ died for us, that's where grace came for us. And that it's that grace that allows us to stop. We don't have to follow through with that. We can stop and we can turn around and we can start over today. And I just believe somebody's going to be listening, whether it's this morning, whether it's tonight, whether it's three months from now. And they've wanted so bad to stop the pattern that they're in, to wake up from, from this season of being numb, to return to the relationship they used to have. There's somebody listening right now. They were so passionate for God when they were in youth group, but they've fallen away. There's somebody listening right now who they truly believe that, that, that God, that the idea of a Savior in Jesus Christ is greater than the current thing they're pursuing. But neither one of those people can get over the fact that they've made bad decisions and they've made bad mistakes. And whether it's those that they've come in contact with or their personal feeling towards themselves, they cannot accept the grace to get up. And Father, that's what I pray right now over every person that's watching this. Just that spirit, that feeling of grace to be able to start over, to be able to hit the reset button, to be able to wipe the slate clean, and then be able to watch God take those past mistakes and use it to glorify His kingdom. Father, take your word right now. Use it like only you can use it. The same experience that happened with you and that woman at the well. Or let it happen right now. But instead of sitting at a well, they're sitting on the couch. They're sitting in their car. They're sitting at their job. And Father, you came this morning, you came tonight, you came today, and you came in this hour, in this moment. You came Monday, you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday to tell them, I'm giving you the grace to get up. Father, we don't deserve it, but we're so thankful for it. We receive it and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, this morning, if you're stepping into the grace that God has given you, I want to encourage you to connect with us. Maybe you have questions about salvation and questions about discipleship, or maybe just connecting with us in general. And I really want to encourage you to text this number. We'll be able to reach out to you, make connections, and of course, answer any questions 
that you have. Also want to encourage you to tune in next Sunday for the finale of the series Supreme. I love you and I hope you have a great week.